testimony tonight. Here I am, Lord, to worship you. Here I am to bow down. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We've come here, God, to be in your presence, to give you honor. we gathered together in this place for this reason, to honor you, Lord, and to lift you high. Oh, we magnify the Lord tonight. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah, we bless you, Lord. You are great, and you are greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Oh, how refreshing it is to be in the presence of the Lord, to feel his nearness, to know that he is here with us tonight. Amen. What a great privilege and opportunity for us to be together tonight and gather together for this purpose, to worship, to study the word of the Lord, to hear from the Lord, and just to enjoy His company. Isn't it great to be able to just enjoy the presence of the Lord, feel that comforting presence? I think this is part of why we come together. We're maybe distracted by the week, maybe who knows what all is pulling at each of us. But when we come together... There is a rising tide that lifts all the boats. And the presence of the Lord comes in as, as we begin to worship and some over here and some over there and those of us that are distracted, our minds get pulled in and we begin to worship in unison in the presence of the Lord. What a great privilege to be able to strengthen each other. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's, that's what it means to be part of the body. Christ. When one member has a need, there are other members that are there supplying the need. And it's just great to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to just very quickly read tonight. Um, it's really not my normal way of doing things. I'm going to read, at least I hope this is not normally the way it works. I'm going to read a verse and then I'm not really going to talk about it very much, okay? But let's just, we all know this month we're on the worship, right? We're cruising on the good ship worship. And so we would probably be remiss if we didn't read Psalm 150 at least once this month, right? Why don't we do that tonight and then we'll dive into the word of the Lord. And I promise to talk about Psalm 150 at least a little bit. I have, no, is this streaming tonight? I have accused some, I, I, I hear preachers sometimes, not here, don't, don't, don't be trying to figure this out. doesn't happen here, but they take a text and then they never talk about it. It's like, it's like the national anthem at a ball game. Everybody stands up, holds their hand over their heart, and then forget what we're doing and go on and do whatever it is. I, I, I think the word of the Lord must be central in what we do. And I don't ever want us to lose that focus that everything must point back to the word of the Lord. Everything must go back to the word of the Lord. And uh, it gives me comfort when I see a preacher with his Bible open on the pulpit because he's going back to the word. Amen? 
I better read scripture before I get in more trouble than I'm already in. Psalm 150, praise ye the Lord. That's a command. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him. This is the tough one. According to his excellent greatness. To the degree that he is great, we must praise him. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Why don't we do that one time before we're seated? Lord, we give you honor tonight. You are the great God, the creator of us all, the creator of this world in which we live. We are so grateful tonight. Lord, your greatness is beyond our comprehension. Your greatness goes beyond what we can even imagine in our wildest dreams. So Lord, I want to turn my heart towards you. I want to praise you and I want to give you honor. I don't ever want to fail, Lord, to give you thanks and glory and honor for your greatness. What a great God you are. Oh, why don't you just let that praise out tonight? I know it's Wednesday night, but God's still great even on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Magnify your name. You are great, O oh Lord. You are greatly to be praised. Amen. You may be seated. And as I have already mentioned, we, of course, we're spending this month talking about worship. And last Wednesday night, I told Pastor, I said, I, you just really gave the keynote address for the whole month. You, you laid out where we're going with this whole thing. And um, if, you, if you didn't hear last Wednesday night, it's worth going back and digging through the archives to... on you know, Facebook or YouTube or wherever you watch, go back and find it because he, pastor talked a lot about where, where we're actually going this month and getting to this idea and a better understanding of what worship actually is and the differences between praise and worship that we oftentimes use the terms praise and worship more or less interchangeably, but there are subtle but important differences in the two and Pastor laid all that out last week. Now it falls my lot tonight. And I think it is important for us to establish a foundation from on which to build. A, f- a foundation of praise. Now, I, I know this is, we're, we're Pentecostal. And so if, if nothing else, I'm preaching to the choir literally tonight. Um, because we're the ones who who believe in exuberant praise and in expressing ourselves in the presence of the Lord. I don't, I don't have to convince you of anything, but I want to, and maybe I refer to this verse frequently, Hebrews chapter 2, the writer says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to those things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And it's important that we understand that our manner of praise and worship is actually scriptural and it's not just 
unfettered emotion or it's not just something that is dangerous to uh, let loose and something that should be corralled, but actually there is good scriptural principle involved in the way that we praise the Lord. And uh, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but what I do want to do tonight is to establish this foundation. Pastor made the point last week that you can praise without worshiping, but you can't worship without praising. And what we need to understand is that our worship, where we are ultimately headed, and and in my mind, I I just kind of like to keep things simple. And in my mind, worship is really an expression of love. Worship involves relationship necessarily. There has to be a relationship between the parties that are involved, the one worshiping, the one being worshiped. There is relationship there. But if we're ever going to get to that point that we're all striving for of wholesome expressions of worship, The Lord told the lady at the well, the time has come and now is for all men to worship, but God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And if we're going to have that level of worship and relationship in our lives, well, it's going to be founded upon praise. But I don't want you, I also don't want you to get the feeling that praise is some, um, diminished something of diminished importance uh, praise is crucial and it is it becomes foundational in our lives because our relationship with the lord our worship is built on praise so it's important that we understand praise and after all we are commanded to praise psalm 150 praise ye the lord that is our command, and, and we'll look at this. So what I want to do tonight, if if I have to give some sort of a title, and I, nobody asked, but preachers always say that, if, if I have to have a title, then you didn't ask, but I want to talk to you just for a little while about the particulars of praise. Now, I'm, I promise I'm going to be careful because, you know, you probably remember from your junior high or high school biology class, anytime you dissect something, it you kill it, right? It's dead. So... I'm going to try not to kill the patient tonight. We're going to talk about praise, but somehow I want to keep it alive and make you understand this is an important part of your walk with God. And again, I recognize that I'm not having to, I don't need to convince you of this, but I do want, I do want us all to be on the same page in the sense that we understand we are commanded to praise the Lord. Psalm 150 commands us to praise the Lord. Psalm 100 commands us to praise the Lord. Make a joyful noise, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. In Psalm 107, at least four different times, the psalmist cries out and says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord. For his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. There is something about the goodness of God that 
draws praise from us and it requires praise from us. And so we have, we do have a bit of an obligation. Now let's just back up a little bit and just talk about it from a, um, just a purely natural language standpoint. When we talk about praise, what do we, what do we really mean? Well, when we're talking about praise in general, we can praise each other. Um, we can praise the restaurant that we went to last week. We can praise um, performance by an athlete or by a musician. Or because what we're doing when we praise, what we're doing is we're acknowledging and we are expressing something of value, something that we find valuable. Now, I think the important thing to note here about praise, and we're going to get. We're going we're gonna to move along and it's gonna be, we're going to be talking about our praise of the Lord. But scripturally and theologically, praise is not something that God is jealous over. We are not instructed to not praise anything but the Lord. <laughs> Got quiet. The Lord, in fact, in the New Testament, it says, give honor to whom honor is due. Praise is something, and if you're looking for keys to good relationships and keys to happy homes, um, you might want to take up the habit of finding praiseworthy things and expressing your appreciation of those things. It makes things go a lot smoother. It, it kind of helps things go along because everybody likes to be appreciated. Everybody likes to have someone to acknowledge something of them that is of value. And this is perfectly in line with Scripture. Now, when we start talking, we take that principle and we apply it to the Lord. Well, it's not hard to find things praiseworthy when we start thinking about the goodness of God. It's not hard to find things that we should be willing to express the goodness of God about. And... But here's the interesting thing too. Praise in the scripture is not something that is exclusively done by you and me. The scripture said the heavens declare the glory of God. I'm sure if you've been on social media this week, you've seen NASA has released these pictures from the new Webb telescope that they have launched. And it is mind-boggling. It will blow your mind. And we were, we were talking, so they have to describe this stuff so that a layman, a simple person like me can understand it. So they said, if you take just a grain of sand in between your fingertips and you hold that out, the area of the night sky that that grain of sand blocks out, that is what is represented by one of these pictures. And in that picture, I did not count them. But there must have been 50 or 100 that you could see visibly, not stars, galaxies. Galaxies. Each one of those galaxies with billions and billions of stars. And they're saying, they're looking into deep space, they're seeing more clearly and farther away than they've ever been able to see before. 
But it's just one of my favorite verses is Genesis 1.16. At the end of that verse, the writer just says, he made the stars also. We look at this and our minds cannot conceive. I, I can't wrap my head around. They have this one picture and uh, it's some cliffs of something or other. And, and it looks like it's all these interstellar gases, right? And it looks like a mountain range. And then somebody says from the top of the mountain range to the bottom of the picture, it's seven light years. That's how far that is. Now, just keep in mind, a light year is how far light travels at 186,000 miles per second. It's how far light would travel in a year. So, I don't know, do the math. Seven light years, that's farther than, uh, I don't know, from the sun to the nearest star. It's, I mean, it's just, it, the scale is mind-boggling. It, it blows my mind. And when the Lord is wanting the record of creation to be written, that phrase, he made the stars also, is literally a single word. It is the word for stars. So that in that verse, it says God made the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Stars too. Just kind of throw that in. Stars too. Because the Bible is not about the stars. The Bible is about us. And so the story of Joseph takes up 12 chapters in the book of Genesis. Stars, light years, millennia, light that's been tra traveling our way for thousands and thousands of years. And we finally put a telescope out there that can grab those light rays that have been traveling for thousands upon thousands of years coming to us. We catch that and we look at it. We, we go, wow. And the Lord just said, stars. The psalmist said, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars which you've ordained, you just set all of that in order. Then my thought is, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you would visit him? We, there's something that just wells up. There's a, it draws the praise out of you. When you look at that creation and the greatness of God, it draws it out. We have an obligation to praise because of his greatness. And, you know, part of the question is, well, what is the, what is the benefit of praise? Well, first of all, the benefit is that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what my situation is, God is still great. And if I want to speak the truth, it's easy for me to look at my situation and think, man, it sure would be great if this was different. Man, it sure would be great if that was different. Boy, you know, I, I wish I didn't have a headache. I wish I hadn't twisted my ankle. I wish I hadn't whatever, whatever. But then, it, but the reality, the real reality, the thing that is overarching that fits over all the top of that is what a great God. And in spite of the difficulty, not to trivialize any difficulty that we go through, Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, they are real. 
I reckon he uses an accounting term there and say, I got the debits and the credits. And if I, if I separate it all out and I do the math, as great as the sufferings are, and Paul could enumerate them, right? 40 stripes, save one, a day and a night in the deep, shipwrecked, got the snake latching onto my hand while I'm just trying to build a fire and get warm. I mean, he could, he could name them off. But he said, when I, when I do the accounting and I compare the sufferings of this present time, what I find is they are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And that is the part, that is the part that remains true regardless of what my circumstances are. So when I go through difficulties, I have an obligation to praise. All I'm doing is when I praise, I'm speaking the truth. Now, some people, they like to mumble and complain. You say, yeah, don't be so negative. Well, you know, I'm just telling the truth. Well, hey, there's more truth to tell. Why don't you tell the rest of the truth? Why don't you tell about how good the Lord has been? Why don't you tell about the roof that he put over your head? Amen? We live in an age that is preoccupied with feeling. How do we feel? And without getting off into all of the darkness, Pastor preached about that Sunday morning, a song for the present darkness, because it's dark. And in many ways, we're going back to the dark ages. You, you can study, um, you study the progression of science and uh, the great awakening and the, then the... Uh, mixing religious and social movements here, but the Great Awakening and then the Industrial Revolution and the foundations of the foundations of modern science. You know, people nowadays want to set science and religion at odds with each other. But the truth is men like Isaac Newton were convinced that God had created the universe. And that God was a rational being in the sense that he operated according to certain laws and that we had been made in God's image. And if God behaved according to these rational laws, then those laws should be discoverable. And it was thinking like that that brought us out of superstition and the dark ages and all sorts of things that happened where people didn't have any understanding of what was going on. There was this awakening of the mind to say, if God did this and if God operates according to certain rules and in rational ways, then those laws should be discoverable. But now we've come full circle and what is now called science is removing God and ensuring that God is not a part of that. And now we're coming full circle and going back to pure superstition and whatever we feel, whatever we think, whatever's random. I mean, whatever, every man does what's right in his own eyes. And so our, the age that we live in, we're focused on feelings. My wife and I kind of have this joke because... Early on in our marriage, she asked me, she said, well, about some situation, you know, where we're living or whatever. Well, are you happy? I said, ah, and it's kind of a joke now, but you know, I'm, 
young philosophical mind. Oh, happiness is all circumstantial. Happiness doesn't matter. Joy is what lasts. And don't worry about circumstances. They'll take care of themselves. Well, there actually is, there actually is some truth to that. But we are in an age now where there is so much focus upon feelings and making sure that what everyone feels is validated and and uh, heard and all of these sorts of things. Now, I'm not about just being offensive for the sake of being offensive. But really, when it gets down to it, what is more important than what I feel is what I know. Your feelings can be all over the map. Your feelings can be dependent on how well you slept last night, what you ate for dinner last night, which affected how well you slept last night. Whether the cat or the dog got in the way this morning, whether the kids were cooperative on the way out to school, the way you feel is affected by all sorts of things that are really outside your control. But what you know doesn't change and doesn't move. And when we praise, what we are doing is we are focusing our mind willfully. We are moving from what we feel, maybe, from what we feel to what we know to be true. Job said, I looked for him on the left, couldn't find him. Looked for him on the right, looked for him in front of me, looked for him in back of me. I could not find him. But he knows. I don't see him, but I know he sees me. He knows the way that I take. Pastor quoted it Sunday morning, and when he had tried me, I will come forth as gold. What Job was saying was, feelings? I feel lost. I feel disillusioned. I feel hurt. I feel confusion. I don't understand. But what I know is that I know that God is in control. And this is why we praise, because we are speaking truth. Paul, in another place, Romans 8, thinking about those sufferings and all those things, he said it another way. He said, we know, not we feel. It does not feel like all things work together for good. It feels like the whole thing is a train wreck. It feels like the wheels are coming off the wagon. It feels like this whole thing is about to fly apart. But we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. To them who are the called according to His purpose. There's that relationship business. So when we praise, we are speaking the truth. We are making a decision. Now, there is that verse in the New Testament. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But there's three components that he gave us, power and love and a sound mind. We get excited, we talk about power, and we get excited when we understand about love and how all of that works, but it's this sound mind business sometimes that gives us fits. Because the Lord has given us the Holy Ghost, he has given us the Spirit, so that we can maintain a sound mind. There's so many pressures and there's so many things that come our ways and we deal with all kinds of situations. You know, sometimes it's just a little, a little 
perspective and a little thought experiment sometime. As complicated as your life is, think about all the stuff that you've been through, relationships that you've had, some have lasted, some have not, difficulties that you've had, trials, situations the Lord has brought you through. You are not different than anyone else in this room. Everyone else that you see in here, everyone that you meet on the street, their life is equally as complicated and complex as yours. I'm not unique in that sense. Oh, the things that I face may be different. The, the particular trials that I had may be different. But the reality is we all live incredibly complex lives and there are complicated paths by which we have all come to sit here on a Wednesday night in the middle of July listening and thinking about the goodness of God. And so the question is, in the midst of all this complication, in the midst of all this difficulty, the pressures of life, the pressures of an age and a culture that are pressing against us, what power do we have against that? And the, the Lord said through the New Testament writer, one power that you have is I have given you a spirit to help you maintain a sound mind. And part of the soundness of our mind is that we make a choice. Yes, things are not great. I got this problem, I've got that problem, but you know what? In spite of all of that, the Lord is still good. And in fact, the Lord is not just good, He's great. Amen? So we make a choice to focus on the higher reality. And that is a lot of what is behind our praise. It is our choice. So when we come in on Wednesday night, we may be tired. Sometimes we might have had a great win just before we left work. Or maybe the kids loved everything you cooked for dinner and they were so gracious and so thankful that they helped clean up the kitchen. And you come in here and you feel great. And you feel like praising because you say, truly, the Lord is at work. And you feel like praising. But our response should be the same regardless of whether we feel like it or not. Amen? Because it is not based on what we feel, it is based on what we know. Now, the other part of that is that when we praise, we're actually expressing it. We're articulating it. We're putting it out there. You know, read Genesis 1, okay? We, we were made in the image of God. And at this point, after 6,000 years or so since creation, all that's left is a residue. I'm sorry. There's not much of the image of God left in us. But we were still created in the image of God. And I think part of all of that is the way we see that in the way that we interact. There are unique things about humanity. But when the Lord, if you read the first two or three verses of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void. What's the first thing that happened? The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. He's a God of action. He's a God of motion. He's a God of movement. And the next thing is, and the Lord said... Now, we're talking about the great almighty God. And if God thinks something, he could just, it just happens because he thinks it. I mean, 
the fulfillment, the coming of Christ was actually fulfillment of the thinking of God. In the beginning was the word, the plan of God, in the mind of God, if you will, if we can talk about the mind of God. But in creation, he spoke. And then when he created mankind, he gave mankind certain dominion and certain authority that was exercised by speaking. He told Adam to name all the animals. My point tonight is that there, there is no other part of creation that has the power of speech like humanity does. Now, there's, there are other animals. They make noises and they communicate in some limited way with each other. But the diversity of language and the diversity of expression that happens, this is not something that comes to us by instinct or we don't just say the words that we heard our parents say. We don't just parrot them over and over. But every one of us is unique and we say things and we put sentences together in ways that no one else ever in the history of the world has said exactly what you just said. They may be expressing a similar thought, but the pattern of words that we use, it's unique among all of us. And... We have that power of speech. God has given us that power of expression. And when we exercise that in praise, then God gets the glory. What I'm saying is because we have that unique capability, we have ways to praise him in which no other part of creation can. Now, all of creation praises him. It's all testimony from the stars to the animals to the mountains to the rivers. It all testifies the greatness of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. God just demonstrated, you know, I'll just put the Grand Canyon over here and I'll just do this and I'll take care of that. And it demonstrates the greatness of God. And just like if you walk into a museum and you see the Mona Lisa or you see the statue of David, you think, wow, that artist was, man, how gifted was that artist? When you stand and look at nature, it is testimony of the greatness of God. This is why whenever the Lord was coming into Jerusalem and they were singing, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees wanted them to hush. And he said, if these hold their peace, the rocks will cry out. Why? Because the rocks knew who the creator was. The rocks knew that God manifest in the flesh was roaming down the street. And their very existence gave testimony to him. Now here's the irony. The... The atheist who argues that there is no God. He puts together arguments and he orders words to make it clear and to express what he thinks his reasons are that there is no God and that God does not exist. The very fact that he would put together some kind of a cogent argument like that is actually testimony to the greatness of God. He's arguing against God, and in so doing, he's actually showing how great God is. That God could create something who could come up with thoughts like that and put things together and actually maybe make sense to some people if they ignore this and ignore that. And But we, believers, we go a step further. By my existence, you may not think I'm much, but God made me. And by my very existence, David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The fact that every morning for 55 years or so, I managed to get up and do something. I mean, 
It's pretty incredible that God would put us all together and knit us together in the way that he has. And so our very existence testifies to the goodness of God. But when we choose to say, you know what, in spite of my circumstance and in spite of everything else, I know God is a good God. And I'm going to choose to put words together and I'm going to choose to to put thoughts together and maybe express via poetry or, or just, just to express the goodness of God, we're making a voluntary choice to praise Him. And we speak truth when we do that. We speak truth when we do that. And then you add on top of that the ability that some people have been gifted with to sing and to make music and to put words with music and write songs that have never been written before in the history of the world and and express the goodness of God. This is when we exercise our sound mind and we are making sure that we're not getting overwrought with the circumstances that are real in our lives. See, our problem is we see our circumstances much more clearly than we can see God. Our circumstances are obvious to us. We have sicknesses in our body. They make us feel bad. We suffer losses. We feel the hurt. We have pain of broken relationships. For whatever reason, we see those circumstances. They are very apparent to us. But God, if we can believe it, is even more real than all of those circumstances. And if we can just push past what we see with our natural senses and push into the presence of the Lord and begin to express the goodness of God, there is something that happens when we say it with our mouth and our ears hear it in our tone of voice. It's not just about thinking it. It's not just about sitting around thinking positive thoughts, trying to encourage myself. I can do that and maybe it has some limited help, But for myself, I find nothing better than, I may need to be by myself to do it, but when I start to sing, or I start to worship, and I start to praise, I start to put those words out there myself, it will lift your spirit. Because what it does is it shifts your focus. I mean, this is... This is really what it's about. It shifts our focus off of the temporary things of this life and puts it squarely on the eternal things of God. Whenever we praise our focus, we make the choice. We This is how we get a sound mind. We make a choice. I'm not going to focus on temporary things. Paul said, all the things that are seen are temporal. That means they're bound up in time. Everything that you can see had a beginning, and if it had a beginning, it will have an end. But the things which are not seen with your eyes, those things which are not seen, those things are eternal. And when we shift our focus off of the temporary things of life that can discourage us, and we put our focus on the eternal things of God, we encourage ourselves. You know the Old Testament story. David and his mighty men had suffered tremendous defeat. Their haven of Ziklag had been overrun, They had been off in battle when they came back. They found the city burned and their wives and children had been taken captive. And the men were so angry at David that they were ready to stone him. David encouraged himself in the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful David developed a skill early in his life to encourage himself in the Lord. We largely have the book of Psalms at our disposal because David learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. 
And that's a skill that all of us actually need. Now, one last point. I'm out of time. Some people say that, well, it's fine to praise the Lord. That's, that's your choice. But you shouldn't be so exuberant. You shouldn't be so vocal and so loud. And, and really, it's all just, you're overwrought with emotion. You know, we love Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But that next verse is instructive. Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. What was he saying? All your soul, everything, your entire being. Now, I know we all have different personalities. And some of us are less exuberant than others. We're serious and we're given to, you know, sober things. And we're not as silly and flighty as some other folks. But I dare say, even the most serious among us, you have something that gets you going. Publisher's Clearinghouse. Does everybody know what Publisher's Clearinghouse? You win the lottery. Shows up at your front door. The $100 million check. Hmm, hmm, that is really something. Let's see. I can get 2.7% interest. Hey, we're going to be saying, sell that car. We're getting a new car. Put a sign in the yard. We're, and we're going on vacation. When I get back, I want this all moved out. I want it all to, I mean, it would get my attention. What kind of treasure do we have? Have we lost our perspective of what kind of treasure we do have? Now, here's the thing. Again, because the Lord himself used the relationship between a husband and a wife as a type of the relationship between Christ and the church. What I would say is that if you have a healthy marriage, it involves all of you. It involves your intellect. It involves your emotion. (laughs) I bet it does. Every marriage I've ever watched involved emotion. Sometimes it was all romantic and sometimes it wasn't. But there is, you don't live with somebody 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 years and not be engaged with your whole being. They're going to see your emotions They're going to see your intellect. They're going to see what controls you. They're going to see what is, what gets you going and what shuts you down and which buttons work on certain times and which buttons work, don't work on other times. They're going to know all of that. And, and the thing is, why would we be any different in our relationship with the Lord? Why would I have to set all of that aside and come in and act like this is some sort of an academic lecture hall? Well, my, isn't the Lord good to his people? No, there's sometimes when I realize, hey, I was bound in sin. Now, if you had been, if you had been in prison and somebody got you out and set you free, are you just going to walk out and say, well, it is a sunny day today? There is something about the freedom 
that comes, and when we realize the liberty that comes to us in Christ, there is a rejoicing that should well up within us. We're going to worship Him, we're going to praise Him, we're going to serve Him with my whole heart. And with all my soul. There are, and I'm not going to go through these, but there are at least seven different words, Hebrew words in the Old Testament that were translated praise. And they represented different aspects. Some of it just had to do with blessing and just expressing the goodness of God. Some of the words implied singing. Some of the words implied singing with musical accompaniment. Some of the words implied shouting or rejoicing or having a party, a festivity, a, a festival. These words are all used to command the people of God to praise the Lord in these ways. Psalm 34, if you read in my Bible, it says that this was the psalm that David wrote after he had been, if you know the history of David's life, he got real complicated. And there was an enemy king, a king that was enemy to Israel that David wound up being allied with. And his mighty men got suspicious of David. And David actually had to feign insanity. He was on the run from Saul and he just had to act like the pressure finally got to him and that he was mad. And apparently he was, you know, foaming at the mouth and the whole nine yards. And they just, they basically just let him go because they thought he was a harmless, crazy man at that point. And David wrote Psalm 34. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. That word for boast there is actually a word that's translated in some cases praise, but it can mean acting crazy, acting like you are insane. And David said, the Lord has delivered me, and if I'm going to act insane, my soul shall act insane in the presence of the Lord. What David said was, there is no part of me, no part of my psyche, no part of my personality, no part of me that is off limits to God. I give it all to him, and I yield myself to him. Why don't you stand with me tonight? I've gone too long. What I want us to remember tonight, praise is an expression. It is our articulation. It is our personal expression of the goodness of God and the greatness of God. So whenever you come in and you don't feel like praising, just ask yourself, is God still good? Is God still on the throne? God still in control? I mean, if he is, my life may legitimately be something that's not real pleasant. But it's not escapism. And it's not me trying to be Pollyanna. It's not me whistling past the graveyard to say, oh, I'm not scared, I'm not scared. I'm scared to death, but I'm not scared. It's not the power of positive thinking. When I begin to praise, it is an expression that this is true. All of this other stuff may be true, but the greater truth is that God is in control. And he said he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. He would be with us. And all things work together for his good. Why don't we offer thanks to the Lord tonight? Lord, we're grateful for your word. Thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to know you and the power of your resurrection. What great things you have done for all of us tonight. Don't ever let us lose sight 
of the greatness of God. Lord, we look to you tonight. We ask, God, that you would keep us focused and keep our mind in the right place. Give us a sound mind to understand the goodness of God. And let our praise of you be an expression, Lord, of our understanding of your goodness. In spite of any other circumstance, your goodness and your greatness trumps my circumstance. And I will praise you. I will praise you. I will praise you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Job didn't know where his difficulty came from. You know, there was, you read the opening part of Job, there's this meeting in heaven, the sons of God are coming together and the enemy comes along and they have this discussion and he says, oh, Job just serves you God because you protect him and you bless him. And all this conversation goes on and Job doesn't hear any of that. All he knows is the next day, kids start dying. Houses start falling down. Flocks and herds start disappearing. Not too long. Boils start coming up. Health's all gone. Job didn't hear the conversation. He didn't know that God had said, no, no, he can handle it. I trust Job. Job didn't know that conversation took place. And he didn't really know where the trouble came from. But the verse that always gets me is Job said, though he slay me, he was not talking about the devil. Job was talking about the Lord. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Spurgeon said, God is too good to be unkind and he's too wise to be mistaken. When we cannot trace his hand, we can trust his heart. That's what we do when we praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you tonight. We bless you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, hopefully I've kept you long enough that those of you who have kids over there at rec night are completely worn out. and They'll sleep all the way through the night. Lord, bless you. We will see you this weekend. Check the bulletin for announcements. Love you. Go in the peace of the Lord.